Um, grab your Bibles with me, if you will. Hebrews chapter 7. We're picking up in part 3 of our series. Hebrews chapter 7. Uh, we're going to read three verses. We'll begin in verse 8. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. Reading from the English Standard Version today. In the one case, ties are received by mortal men, but in the other case by one of whom it is testified that he lives. Last week we talked about in the New King James, it says here our tithes are received by mortal men. Here there's a man, a pastor receiving the offering and there's ushers that are mere mortal men uh, taking them up. But there our high priest receives them, Jesus Christ. One might even say, verse 9, and this is where we'll pick up today. One might even say that Levi himself who receives tithes paid tithes through Abraham. For he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Last week, or in part one, we, we talked about the fact that God must be first in our life. God must be first. It's an issue of lordship. And we put God first by giving him a fir- the first of everything. That was part one. It's a, an issue of lordship. He's either lord of all or not lord at all. Last week, and I didn't quite get to finish uh, what I wanted to share with you. I'll try to pick that up next week, but I, I really have a mandate for the day. Uh, but last week we talked about uh, this, this issue that, that it's personal to God because it's his house. It's his church, and so there's a there was a few things we talked about. Number one, you got to feed what's feeding you. You got to feed what's feeding you. Um, and one of the great things about the way God set up this system of tithing is we bring our tithe into the storehouse, and then we get to eat from the tithe that we just brought in. So we get to enjoy it. We get to receive from it. Um, we get to be a part of the great worship service that we just had. We, we get to sit in nice chairs and enjoy air conditioning and, and the lights and a great children's ministry and great youth ministry and, uh, and a coffee shop and, and all these things because we bring our tithe in the storehouse and God set this thing up that if we feed his house, he will feed us. And that's the, the next point is if you take care of God's house first, he will take care of your house you take care of God's house first, he will take care of your house. He says, bring all the tithes in my house that there might be food in my house. And then he said, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing for you until there is no more need. No more need. He's going to continue to pour out blessing. And then the final one was that our tithe is received by our high priest. So we talked a little bit about the principles of how money works in this church, where it goes to, what what happens with your tithe, what happens with your offering. Um, You know, I just... Uh, don't don't give me your offering. It doesn't go to me. It goes through the security systems and the banks and the accountants and and all I see is a, a budget and, and those type things. And I can't even sign a check for Triumph Church if you wanted me to. <laughs> so uh, we we have great checks and balances and uh, we have a, a great board uh, that that protects us. And so uh, we talked a little bit about that. But at the end of the day, yes, it's being received by men here on earth, but it's going to heaven, and we're counting on God to bless us. We're counting on God to bless us. We're counting on God to open up the windows of heaven. Now, part three today, I, I want to take a little bit of a shift, and, and I'm excited about it. If you're watching online, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I, I hope that you will get still and quiet, get ready to receive from God today. And um, I, I believe that God wants to touch your life. I, I have a real word today. It's, it's interesting. I was writing out my notes 
and I was literally typing. Yesterday, I was in the office, and I was literally typing these words. I was going to finish my sermon from last week. However, God has just stopped me, and I really believe he has a mandate, something he's wanted me to say, and it's been going on all week. And, and it was just amazing that I'm typing these words to say to you how I'll try to finish my sermon next week, but I really believe we had a word for this week. And, and um, Shiloh Harrington, who's one of our members in Nederland, uh, sent me this article, or she tagged me in this article on Facebook, and it dinged while I was writing. And it started talking about how um, there's a pastor in the Dallas area, a great pastor uh, named Matt Chandler, and he's a great speaker. A lot of people listen to his podcast. And the article was about uh, God doesn't want Matt Chandler to be your pastor. It's just like, what? He's a great pastor. But the point was, God set your pastor in your life for a reason to speak a word that God has directly for you in your situation. And it was just it's extremely encouraging. And I was like, how is it that I'm literally typing, I have a word, and then I get this ding, and it was as if God was confirming that he's ready to do something today. Does that make sense to you? All right. Uh, so, so at the conclusion of the sermon today, I really, I really believe I'm, I'm going to share some encouragement with you and, and speak to some people in the room. I have um, a helper with me today. You want to hold that? Okay. Will you tell everybody your name? Randy. This is my son, in case you that don't know or you're watching online. This is my son. Tell him how old you are. Seven. Seven-year-old. What, gra what grade are you in? First. First grade. What school do you go to? Vista Academy. Vista Academy. Do you like it there? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> What's your teacher's name? Miss Ratcliffe. Is she fantastic? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, what kind of things do you like? Baseball, playing the guitar, uh, playing. Those uh, are good answers. Those are good answers. You want to say something else? Playing basketball. Playing ba okay. You don't. It's a. It's not a. You, you don't have to ask me if you like playing basketball. I'll just say I like playing basketball. Uh, you like to get out there before school in the mornings and shoot some hoops, don't you? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, so Wednesday, um, you were right. I, I had to pick you up, right? Because we had to get home for our life team, and so I was picking you up from your mom. And y'all were sitting in the jeep, in her jeep talking before uh, I picked you up at the, in the parking lot of Market Basket. And what were you doing in the car? What, what, what were you doing in there? I, you were talking, but what else were you doing? What were you eating? Do you remember what you were eating in a the car? A snack. A snack? What kind of snack? Your favorite. A honey bun. A honey bun. <laughs> so you were having a honey bun, and what were you drinking? Strawberry crush. So you're having a strawberry crush and a honey bun in the car with your mom. And as you were eating these two favorite things, are these your favorite things? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are these your favorite things? Yes. Okay. What did you turn to your mama and say? That I was blessed. That you're blessed. Okay. So as you can imagine, when your seven-year-old turns to you and he's eating a honey bun and he says, I'm so blessed. Pastor's kids right here, right? You know, like, I'm so blessed. And, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was really kind of a cool moment. Why, why, so your mom asked you why. Well, so what do you mean by blessed? And you told her why you're blessed. Can you tell us why you're blessed? Because I was being kind. 
you were being kind at school? Yes. What'd you do? I helped a girl out when she, when she didn't have enough Starbucks for two prizes, and she really wanted one, two. Yeah? And so you took some of yours, and what'd you do? Gave her some of my Starbucks. So you gave her some of your Starbucks so she could get two prizes instead of, instead of you, right? Right, so that was very kind of you. So you gave to her. I'm, I'm really proud of you for that. So then what happened after that? I got star student. You got star student? Okay, so um, tracking along with us, he's got Starbucks, which is the little, you know, coupons that they get for being good. One girl uh, wants something, and, and, and uh, you know, being the ladies' man, he... Um, gives her some extra tickets so she can get her two prizes that she wants, right? And that was very kind of you. I'm very proud of you. And then, uh, like the next day, wasn't it on Tuesday? On Tuesday, he got star student, which is a little award that his teacher gives out. And uh, so I'm really proud of you that. And so then after you got star student, then you ended up in the car and your mom bought you, instead of dinner, <laughs> the honey bun and the, and the Strawberry slug. Strawberry what? Crush. Strawberry crush. Okay. So, so track with me in the, in the mind of a seven-year-old now. I did something good. I gave to a girl that, that needed some, and I wanted to help her. I was kind. I ended up with a honey bun and a strawberry crush, and, and it's because I am so blessed. Tell them what happened on Friday when, when I got home from work. What, what, what did you have? Star student again. <laughs> Star student again. You got like three times this week, didn't you? <laughs> Are you bragging right now? Okay. <laughs> no, I tell you, when I got home from work, uh, you got star student again, and then a lady in Sugarland had sent you something. What did she send you? A Dallas Cowboy jersey. Uh, an authentic <laughs> Dallas Cowboy jersey. T Tony Romo. Out of the blue, uh, a lady named Norma Sosa, if you're watching online, she's a Sugarland lady, and uh, she just wanted to, to bless this guy, and it's just amazing how this week he gives, he says, I'm blessed, he gets a honey bun, and that's like not enough for God, I'm really going to pour it out on you because you're learning something, and, he, and she sends him in the mail a brand new tag spiel on it, Tony Romo authentic jersey, right? Hey. You can only imagine uh, how proud I am right now this, of this guy. And, uh, I, and so I thank you for helping me with my sermon today. I'm going to have you come back up a little bit later. Can you do that? Yes, sir. You can? Thank you. Thank you for the sir that time. <laughs> can you all give him a hand? <laughs> Bring that with you to Brother Bill. All right. I want to talk to you about this subject today, and I, and I asked him to tell you that story. Maybe I'm bragging a little bit, but um, I, I wanted him to tell you that story because I wanted you to see a mindset of a kid that loves God and, uh, and something that, that Lindsay and I have been working hard to instill in him because here's the truth. It's personal to me because of my family. Tithing is personal to me, and it matters to me because of my kids, because of my wife. And I'm going to tell you some reasons why. First off, we start in Hebrews. Thank you, Randy. You did fabulous. I'm, I'm really proud of you. Um, we start in Hebrews. 
And the writer tells us something very interesting. He says that Levi tithed while in the loins of Abraham. Now, so let, let's track what happens. Remember in Genesis 14, and we found this out in Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 7, that Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Abraham then has a son. Abraham's son is named Isaac. When Abraham tithed, Isaac was not born. Later on, Isaac is born. Isaac then has two sons. The oldest son is named Esau. The youngest son, they were, they were twins, uh, but the youngest son was named Jacob, meaning one who grasps at the heel because he came out holding the heel of Esau. Through a series of events, Esau was supposed to have the birthright uh, to, to all that was Isaac's because he was the oldest. But through a series of events, Jacob ends up trading Esau for a bowl of soup and deceiving his father. And he ends up being the one with the birthright. Uh, he ends up being the one that is blessed. He ends up being the one who would then lead the tribe of Israel. Because later on, Jacob's name would be changed to Israel. So when we use the term Israel, when we use the term the nation of Israel or the tribes of Israel or the people of Israel, we we can go trace it all the way back to a man named Jacob who God blessed and then he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Now, Jacob or Israel had 12 sons, had 12 sons. One of those sons, and, and th- those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, basically. They, and so his sons became the tribes of Israel. Uh, and, and so, but one of those sons was named Levi. Now I want you to track with me here. The writer says that Levi tithed with Abraham. But there's Abraham who when he tithed to Melchizedek, which is specifically what the writer was referring to here, when he tithed to Melchizedek, Isaac wasn't even born, much less Jacob, much less Levi, which was about the fourth son of of Israel. So how is it now that Levi tithed when he wasn't even a thought in his, not in his father Jacob's mind, or his grandfather uh, Isaac, but not even a thought in his great-grandfather Abraham's mind. Abraham wasn't thinking about his great-grandson named Levi. He was just wanting one son. And yet, the writer tells us something powerful here, that Levi tithed while still in the loins of Abraham. Apparently, Levi had a history of tithing that traced back long before he was ever born. I brought Randy up here because I I wanted to help you understand something and see something. Uh, I I almost cried when I heard this story because here here is my seven-year-old who did not equate his honey bun to something that he had earned, but he equated it to being blessed. I'm blessed. Sure, he earned a star student. Sure, he gave the, the Starbucks away. But at the end of the day, he said, I'm blessed. You know, how many people do you know 
that pray for God to help them, and then when he helps them, they turn around and say, look what I did. But what my, my son doesn't quite realize yet is he's not just blessed because he gave. He's not just blessed because of his actions, but he is blessed because of what I have done. You see, he's tithing, but long before he makes any money, he's been tithing. I have been tithing. I have a history of tithing that predates my birthday on September 24th, 1981. I have been tithing while I was still in the loins of my father, while I was still in the loins of my grandfather. My history of tithing predates my de- birthday, and, and so I have this thing that I didn't realize when I was young, but after the perspective of, of, of a little bit of time and reading and understanding the Word of God, I recognize this in myself. I am not blessed just because of what I have done, but I am blessed because of what those who have gone before me have done. And I have been tithing for a long time, even before I was actually putting it in the offering. I am blessed because of offerings I never gave. I'm blessed because of tithes I never paid. I'm blessed because of decisions I never made because they were made generations back so when i say it's personal because of my family i recognize that as a son i am blessed because of what my father's done but as a father my kids can be blessed because of what i am doing i realize that i am blessed because i have a history of tithing going back to when i was still in the loins of my grandfather howard clark as a young man who had earned a scholarship to Baylor University playing basketball and football. And, and while he was there in his first year, he, he came home and, and he was saved in a revival. And in those days in the church that he was saved in, you could not play uh, organized sports as in for a college and still be saved. So he had a decision to make. Do I go home? Do I live for Jesus? Do I become a tither? Do I give my life to him or do I stay at school and, and play football and feel like I am disobeying God? As you know, if you're on a scholarship and you stop, your scholarship ends. And they didn't have the money to pay his way through Baylor. So he made the decision, I'm coming home because I'm going to serve God. Now, I'm not saying to you today, if, you make a, if your kids get a scholarship to play sports, they do not need to quit in, in order to serve Jesus, okay? But that was the day in which he lived, and he was faced with the best decision he knew how to make. And he made a decision, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to become a tither. Now, here's the great thing that happened when he came home. He then met my grandmother. They got married. Long story short, he has my father, and we are sitting here today because you can trace it back. But he made a decision. We're blessed. I'm blessed because my grandfather made a decision to be a tither and to live for God. Here's another one for you. Here's a true story. There was a young preacher uh, who went on a, an evangelist or a revival tour, an evangelism tour, and they were evangelizing uh, throughout the south and up the east coast. And he went on that trip with one of his good friends and mentors who was a little bit older and who was a little more established in ministry. And, in, and so in those days, one of the things you did was when somebody went out traveling from church to church preaching you went with them and it was a a step into ministry and so this young preacher went and uh, they went preaching all the way through the south up the east coast and as they were returning back home they ran out of money and and i don't mean just broke 
like twice broke. They were like broke, broke. And there was, there was not in the days of uh, uh, readily access to credit cards and, and money and, and all these things, and, and they didn't know how to get home. But the, the older preacher, who was not very old, but he was a, a slightly older and he was the main evangelist, he said, you know, I know of a guy. I know of a man that, that is generous. And if we can get there, if we can get to his house, if we can get to him in his city, I know that he'll, he'll feed us, he'll put us up for the night, and he'll give us enough money that we can get home on. So sure enough, they made it to the city, they coasted into town, out of gas, out of food, out of money, and, and this man welcomed them with open arms. He said, come on into my home. He fed them till they couldn't eat anymore. He gave them rooms to sleep in. His daughters were away at college, so they were able to have rooms and beds to sleep in. And as they left town the next day, he took a $100 bill, which uh, 40 years ago was a lot of money. And he took $100 of bills, and he put it in the hands of that preacher. And he said, you guys get home and be blessed. Here's, here's the amazing thing. That young preacher while sleeping in the bedroom of one of those daughters who was away at school, he saw a picture of that young girl on the wall, and something in him said, that's my girl. <laughs> Though they lived miles and miles, hundreds of miles away, in that moment, in that, in that destiny moment, uh, a connection was made. And I'm telling you that years later, that man, that young man, and that young lady are married. You see that older preacher, his name is Mike Hayes. He's one of my uh, uh, heroes in the faith. That young preacher was a man named Randy Clark, who you might know as Bishop Randy Clark. The, the, the house that they went to was my grandfather, one of our elders, I.J. Marshall. And that young lady in the picture, that was my mom, Renee Clark. But here's the thing I want you to understand. That event never happens if my grandfather does not have a reputation for generosity and giving to God and helping the people of God. They never pick up the phone and call Vicksburg, Mississippi and say, Brother Marshall, can we come by and see you? They, of all the places in all the world, why him? Because that preacher knew, if I can get to Vicksburg, Mississippi... There is a man there with a reputation of serving God, loving God, and helping the people of God, and he will help us. Let me tell you something. If that event doesn't take place, you're not sitting here today. My grandfather's reputation of giving led to Randy and Renee Clark getting married, having a son named Randon, building a church named Triumph in a city called Beaumont. You're here. Me and you, we are blessed because of a decision we never made. What decisions am I making that will my son and grandson will stand in the pulpit in front of the people of God 
and say, we wouldn't be here except our father, except our grandfather did this. What decisions are you making that your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids will one day stand and say, I am blessed, not because of me, but because of them. The writer said, Levi, tithe while still in the loins of Abraham. I tithed long before I was born. My son, he may not know this at seven, but one day he will know that he is blessed because he's been tithing for a long, long time. It's personal to me. It's personal to me because it's about my kids and my family. Are you with me this morning? You got down. I'm sorry. I'll try to pick you back up. Let me move forward into the, the, the second point. Um, and I'm going to come back and hit this point at, a, at another time, but um, Job chapter 1, Job chapter 1, Job chapter 1. Too much to preach, too little time. Job was a rich man, he was an upright man, he was a godly man. The Bible says he was the greatest of all the people uh, in the East. Verse 4. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offering, offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did continually. So here's the thing. Job is an upright man. Job is making good decisions, wise decisions. He's living for God. His kids, not all the time. And so they would regularly have parties. And they would bring all their brothers and sisters and friends over. And, and, and Job would go the next morning and he would consecrate them. And he would say, you may have sinned. I don't know if you did or not, but in case you did, and he would offer a, a burnt sacrifice, he would literally sacrifice one of his animals, and he would burn it as a sacrifice to God. He gave an offering to the Lord for each one of his kids individually. Now, Satan comes to God, and he's going around the earth, and he's trying to find someone to mess with, and, and he seems to be winning just a little bit, and God says, have you considered my son, my servant Job? And, and, Jacob, and, and Satan says, uh, uh, verse 8, and the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So here, here's what Satan says. I I've tried to come after Job. I have been working on that dude for a while. But you have this hedge, this, this wall of protection around him, and I can't get to him. 
Now, I want you to understand something about a hedge. A hedge doesn't guarantee that nothing bad will ever happen. It simply guarantees that the devil can't win. The hedge didn't guarantee that his kids weren't going to sin. It just meant that the devil couldn't get to them in the midst of their sin, and they couldn't get too far, and they get, couldn't get too bad because, because there was a hedge. Are you with me? It doesn't mean that no one ever tried to rob Job or steal from him or do bad business deals with him. No, it doesn't mean all that. It just means that in the midst of it, he was blessed, and his possessions were blessed, and his business was blessed, and he kept growing. Why? Because he had this hedge. The hedge of protection in your life doesn't, it's not a promise that nothing bad will ever go wrong. It's just the promise that God will be there with you and the devil cannot win. He can't win. Long story short, God says, you can do whatever you want to. I'm removing the hedge I'm, or, or, or Jesus, go after him, whatever you need to do. And the first thing that Satan does and I don't have time to read it all, but you can go back and say, the first thing that he does is he kills all of his animals. Now, this is interesting here. Satan killed all of the animals first because it was the sacrifice of animals. It was the offerings that he was giving that were building the hedge. And so when he took out his animals, he took out the ability for Job to sacrifice and the hedge fell down. The next thing that happens immediately is the kids are in one of their parties again. And instead of being protected, the house fell down and killed them all. Here's the point. I give and I tithe because I want a hedge of protection around my family. I want a hedge of protection around my kids. My, my kids are young. My daughter will be 11 here in a, in a couple of weeks. She thinks she's going to youth ministry next year. She's not. <laughs> my son is, uh, I'm coming on. <laughs> my son is seven. Uh, they're young. I labor under no illusions that my kids will never get in trouble, that they will never sin, that they will be perfect and blameless all of their days. I don't labor under that illusion. But here's what I do know. A hedge of protection does not guarantee they won't sin, but it guarantees that the devil will never win. And they can't get so far away that God is not there for them. I tithe and I give because I want a hedge around my family. It doesn't mean that I'll never go through problems in my finances. It just means that the devil can't win. It doesn't mean that Lindsay and I will never fight. I know you think we're perfect. It just means that God will always be in the midst and will always be able to make it through anything no matter what comes our way. It just means that God is standing with us. It doesn't mean that troubles will never come. It doesn't mean that we will never face difficult times where we won't have a, a, a problem in our bodies in need of a miracle. It just means that God will be with it and the devil can't win. So my question to you is simple. Have you built a hedge around your family with your giving? Because when he took out his ability to give, the hedge fell down immediately. I'm going to go to my third point today, and we'll come back and pick this up. Are you okay? Can you, can you breathe today? Because I've got some encouraging news for you. <clears throat> 
Uh, let's go to um, let's go to Exodus chapter thirteen, verse eleven. Uh, verse eleven. Exodus thirteen, verse eleven. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, that's the promised land, that's where they were going, that's where when they left Egypt, they were going to the land of Canaanites. It was a promised land, it was theirs, but someone else was living there. It was a really good land, and someone else wanted it. As he swore to you and your fathers, you shall and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a land, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of, of man among your sons you shall redeem. So he's talking about the firstborn. What is he talking about? He's talking about the tithe. It belongs to the Lord. It is holy. It's set apart. He said, so everything, when you get in that land, everything, the firstborn of everything, including your own son belongs to me. And the only way to, keep, to, to get it back is the, 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 the clean must be sacrificed, the unclean must be redeemed by the sacrificing of a clean in its place. Verse 14, and when in time, as your son gets older, to, when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Now, hopefully we'll get a chance to come back and pick up on this verse later. But here's what he says. When you get into the land, the firstborn, firstborn belongs to the Lord. And then one day your son's going to come to you. When you realize as we keep giving our firstborn away, we keep killing it. And he's going to say to you, what's this all about? And it's in that moment that you have a responsibility to teach them. I want to show you this uh, testimony video of a young lady that I'm very proud of. Her name is Kelsey Hernsberger. She goes to our Needling campus. Um, you may have met her before. And so let's watch this video, and then I'll be right back. Hi, my name is Kelsey Hernsberger. I'm 19 years old. I'm currently a Lamar University student and I've been at Triumph Church for two and a half years now. When I was around 15 years old is when I realized the importance of tithing and before I don't think I fully comprehended what tithing was. One thing my parents have always prayed and declared over me and my sister's life is that we would go to school debt free. Uh, at my first job, I wasn't making very much, but I was able to pay $30 tithes. And the next day, I checked my bank account, and there was all the money for my next semester of school to be paid for. And I just give all the glory to God for that. The next semester, I had uh, books left to pay for. And we have these ID cards that we have to activate, and I didn't know that I had to activate it. And I got an email saying that I needed to call a representative and get it um, fixed up to where I could use it. And when I called, there was a balance on my card, and my friends had, they had had this happen to them before, and they said that their balance was like 20 or $25, and I thought anything helps. But when I called, the lady uh, representative that I got said, ma'am, I've never seen this happen before. She said, but you have a balance of $1,200 on your card. 
and so I was able to pay for all my books for that semester that I was needing. I've never really thought about um, not paying my tithes because every time I did for being faithful, God always showed up and it just makes me want to tithe and give even more um, than I already do because He's so good. Not only just to give to receive, but also to give back to Him because He is good to us and He does meet all my needs above and beyond what I could have ever even imagined. Very proud of Kelsey, she, young lady, obviously college student, but she's been tithing for a long time, and she's already seen the principles of God work in her life. She's doing that because her parents taught her to. She's doing that because someone sat down with her and said, "This is what we do, and this is why." And in Exodus 13, this is the principle that that God is speaking about here. And so, just put yourself in that world for a moment. Your ranchers. You, you have sheep and cattle and donkeys and camels. And, and here's what God says. The firstborn of everything belongs to the Lord. So I'm gonna, I want you to sacrifice it and give it to God. Well, at, at, at some point, your son grows up and he says, you know, Dad, I'm trying to understand here. We're, we're ranchers and our job is to grow our business to make money, help and bless our family, and, and, and we're trying to make money here, but you keep sacrificing the first of everything. I mean, you're just killing it. What's the point, Dad? The numbers don't add up. He said, I want you to sit your son down, and I, and I, and I want you to tell him, son, you know when we were working outside the other day, your grandfather, we all had our shirts off because he was hot. And, and you saw those scars on his back. Yeah, I saw those scars, Dad. The, those scars, son, were from whips. And they were left there by our taskmasters, by, by, by the Egyptians who were whipping us and forcing us to work. We were in slavery and we were in bondage. God set us free and we're free today because God sent a deliverer to us and so son we gladly give our first to God because he set us free it's the least that we can do and so it's my pleasure to take out the fact that I'm a pastor it doesn't even matter I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man of God and I'm a father. I love Jesus with all my heart. And so it's my pleasure to sit with my son and my daughter. Say, Randy, I, I know that, that you think if we didn't give so much, you could get the toy that you were wanting. You could get the PlayStation. You could get those new shoes that you've been asking for. We could go on a better vacation. We could drive nicer cars. We could live in a nicer house. You could uh, have all those things that you've wanted and you think that we need. But here's the truth, Randy. I was a slave. I was a slave to sin. And God set me free. And it's not just my responsibility to give back to God. It's the greatest joy in my life to give back to the one who saved me. So I gladly give him the first. You see, what, 
what you think, son, is that if we gave less, we would have more. But the truth is, everything we have is because we've given to God. So we gladly bring the first portion, first 10% of everything we have, and we bring it into the storehouse, that there may be food in God's house. And we've watched how he's opened the windows of heaven over us, and he continues to bless us week after week. And you end up sitting in your car with your mom on a rainy Wednesday evening, eating a honey bun, drinking a strawberry crush, because God is first, and he always has been, and he always will be. And that's the truth. I tithe because it is my responsibility to teach my kids. I'm doing it for you, son. I'm doing it for Kennedy. And I'm doing it for your kids and their kids and their kids. And generations will be blessed. Generations will be blessed. I'm blessed because I have a history of tithing. I am my tithing and my generosity builds a hedge around my family. I tithe because it's my responsibility to teach my kids. I, I want to pray um, for families, and specifically those who your kids or your family, maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your kids, whatever, who it may be, grandkids, they, they feel like they're far away from Christ, and maybe they are. They feel like they're going through difficult times. Maybe they're struggling with things in their body. But here's what God said to me. God said, Randon, tell them they're not as far from me as they think they are. They're not as far as it looks like they are because I've been coming towards them. As far as they went, I kept going. And all they have to do is turn and I'll be there. If you're praying for a family member that needs Jesus that's far away, I want you to know they're not as far as it seems like they are. Number two, God said, Renan, I want the people to know that even in the midst of their sin, they're protected and they're covered. The devil can't win and he will not win. He can't win and he will not win. And the final thing is this. God said there are family members that are away from God, but they're about to wake up like the prodigal son. And they're about to recognize, what have I done? This is not how I was raised. I got to get back to my parents. I got to get back to Jesus. They're about to wake up. If you're watching online, I'm just speaking this word. They're about to wake up. If it's you that's far away, wake up. Look around, recognize where you are, and it's not where God wants you to be. I'm speaking to parents, I'm speaking to grandparents, I'm speaking to aunts, I'm speaking to uncles, I'm speaking to friends, I'm speaking to brothers, I'm speaking to sisters, I'm speaking to, to everyone in the room. You've got someone that you love dearly that's far away. They're not as far as you think they are. God's watching them and protecting them, and they're about to wake if you, if you need to receive that word today, would you just stand with me and lift your hands? I, wanna, I just want to declare that today. I want to declare that word. I, 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 just, I just believe that 
I I feel God in the room today. Be encouraged. They're not as far as you think they are. God has been walking with them. All they've got to do is turn around and he's going to be there for them. Wake up in the name of Jesus. Wake up in the name of Jesus. Wake up in the name of Jesus. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up, Father. We place a hedge of protection over our loved ones that may be far from you in our eyes. They may be in the midst of their sin, but God, you are still with them. And the devil cannot win because you are on our side. I declare it to be so. Father, we're calling people back to the house of God. We're calling loved ones. I'm calling sons and I'm calling daughters and I'm calling husbands and I'm calling wives and I'm calling fathers and I'm calling mothers. I'm calling grandkids. I'm calling them all to wake up by the power of the Holy Spirit and find Jesus in the name of our Father, in the name of Jesus. I bless you. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.